If you love all things gardening, why not join us at our Spring Fair from the 3rd to the 5th of May at Bewley in Hampshire. You'll find everything you need to kickstart the season. Find out more at bbcgardenersworldfair.com. See you there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Sue Kent burst onto our TV screens in 2020 with her exuberant home videos from her Swansea garden. Her vivacious can-do attitude has shown that having physical differences need not prevent you gardening and has ensured she has become a regular fixture on Gardener's World. I'm Catherine Mansley, digital editor at Gardener's World magazine, and I caught up with Sue to find out if her garden is as vibrant as she is. I asked her to share how she uses colour in her garden, how those colours make her feel, and what she's planning next in her own garden and her wider gardening career. What's your approach to choosing plant colours for your garden? Do you just throw everything in or do you follow a strict colour scheme? I used to throw everything in and then I wasn't happy with it. And then I looked at some plants, you know, I went to visit a couple of friends and the happy coincidence is that plants come together and they when they work well how how different it is on the on the on your eyes so I now try and think a lot more about it there is one border I've got where I throw everything in but everything else is a much more thoughtful process and I like to sort of try and try them outside the border in pots before I plant them Um, and how would you describe the colour scheme in your garden I think as a lot of pink white and blues and green and uh and purples but you know I do like block planting so some of it is in this big blocks of pink in in from August onwards and there's more yellows and blues in the spring um and then there's my white border which I love uh which is all all sort of different whites so yes I, I think I've got various beds um some are you know block color and some are you know oh my goodness let's try this and see what happens but I have found that I'm lacking in color in the autumn I've got a lot of perennials they provide a lot of cover but shrub wise where I need a a, a a bit I'm lacking so I've gone for a cotonus and I put that in and I'm hoping that's going to grow and give me a little you know purpley red in the autumn and I'm just looking around to see what's going to give me that I've got um, a viburnum that the leaves turn really red but that doesn't quite go with the cotonus so I'm just looking at where I put things and and researching a bit more to give me a little bit of, of autumn leaf colour. And you mentioned you have a, a white 
border. Um, there's obviously a very famous white garden at uh, Sissinghurst in, in Kent, which Vita Sackville West created to be a point of contrast from the more colourful parts of her garden. What was it that made you want to create a white border in, in your garden? Well, I went to Sissinghurst many, many years ago, and I, I did rather like that. But what it was is I had um, a border that stopped people falling off the edge of my grass. It was very, I, I work in narrow borders because that's all I can reach with, with my feet. And it was full of shrubs and I, I was becoming unable as their trunks thickened to manage it. And it was, a I go out my back door, it was a bit glum, although it did provide all year interest, but glum interest. And I just thought, you know, I can't manage it anymore. Out it comes. And I'm going to try a white border here because it needs lighting up. You know, it, it was a, it's dark. It doesn't get the, you know, the sun until the afternoon. And I had a lot of Japanese anemones. They just love it here. And I love, um, I had some Annabelles, some hydrangea Annabelles. And I just love them. And I thought, how can I put some more in? So I planted it with alternate Japanese anemones and Annabelles and then popped some white foxgloves in and a whiter daffodils as I could find and various other other things. So the white, I've got a white winter honeysuckle and, and things like that. But the Japanese anemones are there, such thugs. They love it there. And um, they sort of, I have to keep digging them out now if I want to get any any earlier spring stuff in. But yeah, so I go out and it's just like, whoa, here it is. It's white and it's really changed the area. I love it. And, and next to it now, because it's just boring lawn and we used to need the lawn for the kids, but we don't now. So I've, you know, people will have seen it on Garden as well, but I have taken a strip up and then because it's right next to my whiteboard, I've made it into a wild, grassy, flowery, um, it's, you know, giving it a go this year. So it it will be a continuation, but with a gap of my wild border. So because my original whiteboard is so narrow, it sort of expands it, but still allows me a sort of a walkway of grass through so that I can manage it all. Because if I just made the border bigger, I would then have had trouble uh, managing it with my feet because I can't reach into a big border. So you're spreading the plants out into the lawn in a sort I'm of... spreading the plants out so I can walk all the way around. I can manage it. But it, because it's at the, uh, the level we see it, we're below, we're about two foot below the lawn. It looks as though it's all one. For some people, if they were restricting themselves to just one colour, they might feel it was a little bit boring, um, you know, the risk of being a bit dull and monotonous. Um, what is it about that kind of one single colour planting scheme that it appeals to you? Well, there's never a single colour in gardening, is it? Because there's always green. So there's never one colour. And um, so green just sort of um, highlights it. And I don't, I don't think it's boring. I think it's quite relaxing and um it's quite therapeutic and it makes you really analyze how you feel about that color and it gives you time with that color that if you've got a riot of color border it sort of hits you and you don't take any one thing in really so I think it allows you to see and explore the beauty of that colour and how it makes you personally feel. And then if you don't like it, you know, you can add in some, you know, if it was white, you could add in some yellow or purple. Um, but I often find that I find it very calming, just the colour and green. <laughs> are there any colours that are banned from your garden? Any colours you don't like? I'm not. A, I do like it, but I'm not a fan of red. But my husband loves red. 
And um, I went to, and he, he sort of wanted to have red in all the borders that we were looking at. And uh, we went to Clifton. We love Clifton. And um, they, because there they've got um, two borders opposite each other, you know, quite distantly apart. One all cool colors, all purples and blues and whites, and the other one oranges and reds and yellows. And we we walked down one, then we walked down the other, and then we stood and we thought, how do we feel? And we both felt a bit stressed by the the hot colors. Um, and you know, he was surprised how he felt. It's great to be able to do that to go and explore how you feel about it, but he still really. Um, wants them, but not necessarily right in our face all the time. So I'm redoing part of the back garden uh, behind the garage, which I can't really see. And he sits up there to look at the sea views. So we're going to go for a hot border there and, and see what we think. But, uh, you know, I might sneak the old bit of purple in there <laughs> just to sort of take it down a bit. Um, but we'll see. So I've got lots. I've got a huge list of things that I may try, but I've got to wait and see what the soil's like. And um, But I would like, um, you know, a, is it a bottle brush? Oh, no, I'm a, yeah, it's a, yeah, I'd like one of those. Um, and I've got some red poppies that I've collected. And I've got all sorts of things. I've got a monard, a red monard. So I'm going to, um, you know, see what will work in the space once it's once we've redesigned a few things but yeah so he'll get his wish and uh, I just it'd be interesting creating something that I'm not like really 100% on I'm doing it for someone else and are you going to keep that exclusively red or is it going to be a, a hot border with other colors in there I think it'll be a hot border with other I think because I'd also like to attract certain types of butterflies which do like buddleias and we've had buddleias there and it's quite dry and buddleias I've got I found a yellow buddleia and so I might be able to squeeze that in so I'm planning you know mainly red but uh I'm not going to like completely rule anything out if he if he really likes it if he likes a bit he likes a bit of orange um so you know I'm going to see what I find. I'm going down around all the shows um, and having a, a sort of nose as I go. Um, so I'll be able to see what's great in the shows at the, you know, RHS um, Gardens World Live. And so I'm going to sort of really pick people's brains, see what grows well by the sea and um, you know, take my time in finding the right plants. Of course, because you're quite close to the sea where you are. So that must have a big impact on the plants that you can grow um, and the plants that really thrive. What are the kind of some of the star plants for really bringing colour to your garden? Japanese anemones. I mean, because they withstand the wind. They withstand the wind so well. They're about the only thing that does withstand the wind. And hydrangeas. Um, I did used to have a New Zealand holly uh, as an alaria, and that was lovely. But um, it died a death. Uh, so, yes, I would say fennel. <laughs> fennel, Japanese anemones and hydrangeas are the things that absolutely do brilliantly, um, that bring colour in. And everything else is a risk. Might not make it, you know. Um, so it's uh, it depends on the year, depends when the winds come. Uh, roses, I've got a couple of roses. I've got a rose growing up the house. Um, Paul's Himalayan musk, that brings beautiful scent and smell. It does really well um, in the summer. But the roses in the borders don't do that well because it, the house protects the, the rose from the wind. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've got a limited thing going. <laughs> One of the big challenges when you're trying to plan 
colour combinations and things is not only, yes, will the plants survive in your garden, but also timing. Um, you know, you have to factor in when things are going to flower and sometimes you, you plan a beautiful combination and then they something flowers much earlier than you'd anticipated or much later and the, the combination doesn't quite come to pass. Are there any kind of unexpected successes um, surprise kind of colour combination successes in your garden or, or disasters? <laughs> well, it's quite funny because I've got a massive row of agapanthus and that normally comes before the hydrangeas. But the last couple of years, they've all been coming together and they sort of don't 100%. They, they're all right, but then it's a long border and the sedums are supposed to go come up after the hydrangeas. Uh, and not last year because they all got mildew because it was so hot. But normally the sedum heads come in and the hydrangea heads are starting to fade. And not fade, but they sort of turn darker, don't they? Um, and the two together are so beautiful. They're sort of um, reddy, pinky colours. And that was unexpected because they're both not quite at their peak. But like that, they just look fabulous. They get so get you ready for autumn. Are they just beautiful? And I love peonies. And um, but I know the moment the peonies open, the storms come in May and take them out every year. I'm just saying, oh look, the peonies open. There's going to be a horrendous storm, and uh, there is. Uh, so um, those that sort of color combination that I try and make in May. Um, normally gets taken out you know and I, and I I'm silly because I should put shrubs in um but I love the color of flowers and I keep trying and, I, and this is my last year I said to my husband this is my last year on this bed because I think we're gonna have to go for shrubs and I and I found a beautiful pink pityosporum which is such a lovely color I think it will make up for the fact that I haven't got flowers in this particular particular area um i have got japanese anemones but you know you can't live on japanese japanese anemones alone so um yes you i want to be able to get that sort of lovely soft color so i'm, I'm having to you know look at a few shrubs that withstand that 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 um you know the mallows do the lavateria that comes with a beautiful pink and that's i've got a sort of gap in the hedge and i filled it with this lavateria but again they they don't last that long they can get uh, but they do seem to stand the wind where, where we are so they're still standing at the end of these storms so yes I think and then again that's a lovely pink color um, but um, yes it's it's using maybe shrubs things like oh uh, spireas you know you know, they can give you shrubby summer colour, which is really beautiful. Um, so I'm, I think I'm losing the battle and I'm going to have to go over to shrubs to, because of the where I live. But I know spireas do well here as well. And spireas, you can get that lovely uh, sort of goldy coloured leaf, can't you? Yeah. I've got white gold in my top border for the spring colour because it's a really beautiful leaf colour. Uh, in the autumn and the spring and then it has these white flowers you know next to the agapanth the agapanthus take over from there and I've got them you know they run for 40 feet sort of every so often so they provide beautiful lush lush leaves in the spring and autumn well and and the flowers in the in the summer but also so they're an early flowering one but I think you've got the shady areas which do 
They all seem to be more ready colours that, that like the shade. Reddies are white colours, I find. The plants that are available, sort of purpley reds. Um, so I've got a new shade area that I've, I, it was covered with vincas and that was very boring. And so I've sort of dug that up. I've had some ectayas and they've got beautiful red, you know, sort of ready purplish leaves and white spikes in. So that gives you a bit of um, post-midsummer colour. Um, and then I've got a verbena that turns really nicely, you know, ready purply in the winter there. Um, and I've just put in a sausage vine um, because that's going to give me spring flowers. And you need to put two together to to make them fruit, but purple fruits in the autumn. And that, that if it works, will grow and it loves the shade. It grows, it grows at six meters long. So if that is covered in fruits, it will completely cover this area. It's a wall in, in the shade. And so, you know, it's it's looking at, you know, bringing a bit of colour to the to the to the darker areas um but i've also i've planted some white and and deep maroon hellebores so i've got a sort of white deep maroon thing going there so i'm hoping it's going to look good my schwazia is very good and that that brings a lot of scent as well and you know glossy leaves you know to to lighten it up so yeah it's uh, and i i paint around there it's my little shed where i paint badly and so i do need a bit of you know color um there and i use pots there and I find some you know there's amazing things you don't think are going to grow in the shade but you know they do and so I test them into pots and then if they work in the pots and like it I just move them a bit further back into the walled the walled border fantastic gradually acclimatizing them to the shade yeah, yeah. you will go in the shade <laughs> doesn't say it on the label but you will like it <laughs> and you mentioned that you paint I know you love you enjoy painting and creating artworks in all sorts of different ways um how does your your garden and your gardening kind of inspire your your painting and your artworks well, I think they, they inspire each other really I started um painting because I realized that when I did I put paint, I was playing around. I used to do like prints of my children's backs because I was a massage therapist. So I'd rub them in oil and paint them, press them down on paper and I get these really good body prints. And then I I had like dirty, painty feet. And I realized by pressing my toes into the paper, it made flowers, the print of the skin on my toes made really nice petals and flower texture. So I started like doing stuff with my toes and then I, I moved on to using every bit of me. And I now take a lot of the and my husband loved it and asked me to do some garden art so I, I do it on board and we we put it on bits of wall in the garden um it's sort of outside art and I now realize that um I use the plant I pick the flowers and then I match the paint on the flowers and then press the flowers um to give me texture with you know so the flowers are pushed into the paper so they're not like perfect or accurate um but also I find now that if I paint out my border, so I design it and then I paint it really badly, I can see if I've got my colours wrong. So, you know, I do a picture of how I want it to look and then I can work out how many, you know, plants per square metre I need and and what, what the colours are going to look like at what time of the year so I can paint it for spring, autumn and summer. So I find it very helpful visually to do that, you know, and so the, the two complement each other. I like to paint the garden and I like to pre-paint what I think the garden's going to look like, which is what I've done. You know, I'm doing a show for Birmingham and what I did um, for the Hampton Court 
show last year. And it also helped my nurseryman to work out. He could see what I was trying to achieve color-wise. So he kept saying, we can have this plant. I said, does it look like that color? No, we can't then. And uh, because I was very, very keen on getting the the color right. And I, no, you can't have that. And yeah, we'd have great arguments going down the polytunnels. No, that's not the right, right shade of this. That's no, no. And, uh, but it pays off, pays off. Does absolutely. I mean, your your Hampton Court Palace um, show garden was was beautiful, and as you say, it had a very a very strict color palette to it, and it? it was all very pared back, very cool purples and whites and pinks, and and there was there was yellow in there. I noticed, but it was it was a very sort of creamy, lemony, pale yellow, wasn't it? It wasn't strident. Yeah, I think I'd gone to Chelsea, and I'd I'd gone around all the major gardens, and they were all, you know greens purples whites and all very sophisticated but they didn't lift my spirits and then I went around the corner to the smaller gardens and there was there was the stitches garden I think and a couple of others and they had yellow in and I I thought oh my goodness I feel so much better here and I thought I have to have and but they had the right yellow too and you know there's a lot of debate about yellow and a lot of snobbery about yellow and I just thought no I'm a yellow girl and but it has to be right because uh you can get it so wrong um and um so yes it was finding the right yellow and um we did we got um a beautiful we got a beautiful toad flax among other things which was the wrong yellow but because it was so delicate and ethereal we could pop it in and it was mellowed out by the cosmos and other things and we had a very very mellow a santolina and cuz normally they can be really bright so yeah i i was i was really pleased it just gave that hint of course some of the yellow daisies the daisies have yellow centers and uh, so um yeah it worked and but it's it's, you know it's I love I do love yellow but then I bought a plant there that was a deep yellow for the like autumn bed and it was I came back put it in my garden it's horrible and I was like (laughs) I can't dig it out there because I can't kill anything (laughs) which is I think it's gonna die all by itself I look at it thinking, oh, that looks awful. If anybody came to my garden, they go, what are you doing? Is that the only yellow in your garden? No, there are other. I mean, fennel is a lovely yellow. It's, and again, it's so light and it's such a light touch. No, no, I plant parsnip heads. So I cut the do- bottoms of parsnip heads. So what growers do when they want to get the best seed from whatever their parsnip is, they choose the best parsnip, cut the bottom off and then they plant it. And then that goes to seed. And that, that's the seed they collect for their parsnips. And so I nicked the idea because I just want the flowers because parsnip flowers are really good and they come early in the year. So I plant parsnips and they give a really lovely yellow flower in my vegetable border and they come up in May. Um, so they're just a bit before everything else, but they go very nicely with, now you're going to have to help me. Uh, it's got a long name. They're a bit like Libertia, yeah. but smaller with a spike leaf, a, a straight up spire with lots yep. of little yellow. Oh, is um, it like Cicerinchium. That's it. It's that one. So them and the, the parsnips and those. So it's quite yellow in about May. I, you know, I have lots of Cicerinchium in my garden and I absolutely love it. I, the colour palette in my garden is quite similar to yours. Lots of purples, lots of pinks. The Cicerinchium really works because it's, it's like you say, it's a, it's a pale creamy yellow it's not really strident no and it goes really well with the parsnip flowers and the other yellow i have 
My husband hates these. It's verbascums, but insects love them. And I love the spires and they don't all flower at once and they're not particularly, but I just, I like, you know, I like the way they bring height to the garden and I like the yellow and then they get absolutely covered in insects and something kills them off. But, you know, I, I, you know, they're in and he, he doesn't like them, but they're staying. So you're not a yellow snob then? I'm not a yellow snob. Far, far from it. (laughs) Makes me happy. (laughs) And you mentioned that you, you paint what you want your garden to, to look like. um, And when you're, you're planning it out, when you're, when you're buying new plants for your garden, how do you kind of, how much planning do you do with those? Are you one of these, you go to the garden centre and see something you like and in it goes, or do you go with a very clear plan of what you're going to get and I find really stressful if I went to the garden centre and bought something on the whim that I didn't have a place for, because then I'd have to spend time finding a place and thinking about it. And also it would sit in a pot and if I would feel that I'd neglect it, I'd worry about it. It's like having a baby. The plants are like having babies. And so I've, I've got a responsibility to make sure that they've all got a home. And once you've bought plants, do you how much time do you spend kind of prepping them before they go in? Do you arrange them? I think you mentioned you you kind of keep them in pots for a bit before you plant them out. I Yes, I often buy, because if I've had trouble, if I bought a plant and put it in, like echinacea, you know, I can never get that to grow. So, um, you know, I was chatting with Toby from Gardener's World and he said, wait until they're bigger, you know. So if I think a plant is in danger of letting me down, I pop it in a pot and grow it on until it's a really good size. And so they, it can be a year, it can be two years. Um, and, and then I can play. And I really like that outside my painting shed. There's all sorts going on. It gets moved around lots. Um, so, um, you know, I, the, the hellebore, you know, I didn't realise how nice they look all year round. Their leaves look really good all year round. So they're like a great foliage plant in a pot. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so I, I just play and I make sure they're bigger. Like I bought a few hellebores, which are unusual, but they're small and they're not. I'm not putting them in yet um, until they've bulked up because I don't want to lose them. And I want to, I want to just enjoy them before they go in, in my special area. <laughs> the other thing I do like is I, 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 I pop off to the odd place, that, uh, you know, the old garden, like Aberglasney, they dig up a load of stuff in the autumn and they sell it off for a pound, bare-rooted stuff. And you never quite know, you think you know what it's going to look like. And, and I like that sort of risk. So I put in a lot of lemon queen, a helianthus. Uh, is that the helianthus? I think. And, and they, they're supposed to grow really huge. Um, and that's why they, they pull them out. I think they go huge and floppy. And I, I put them in my windy border in the bright sun and they didn't grow huge at all um, that last year. Um, and they were lovely. Uh, but I put them also in a shady area and they grew, you know, to about four foot tall. So it was really interesting to see the same plant uh, in different areas, um, you know, behave completely differently. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's a sort of impulse. Buy a love a bargain. It's a love a bargain. Or I like something that needs a home. You know, oh, needs rescue, needs a home. But I've been wanting these for ages, so it was a bit of a, you know, fortuitous visit. You mentioned that uh, when you first moved in, you had a lot, you needed a lot more lawn because, uh, you know, your kids were, were smaller and I, you've you've been there for 30 years, I think, now. How? Yeah, over 30, yeah nearly 34 now. Yeah. Gosh. Um, how, how has the garden sort of evolved in that in that time? 
Well, when we first came, we got a view of the sea at the front of the house and it was uh, had the garage and driveway all the way across the best bit. So we moved everything to the side. Uh, we, there was an old orchard that was really suffering, so we moved everything like the driveway to the side and then we put lawns down. And, and, and you know, uh, I'm a great one for letting children play. So, you know, most of it was a skateboard park. Um, with a big pa- where my painting shed is now was a skateboard park and and a basketball area, um, and uh, so my kids just wrecked wrecked it. And then my, I'd always had visions of my daughter getting married here, and the big area where the skateboard park was going to be the reception. And I said to her. I'm never going to get married there, Mum. I want a huge wedding. So I ended up having a huge shed built on this area and the, the, the two lawns. And then COVID struck and she was due to get married in this huge area, this huge place. And it was her wedding was postponed twice. And in the end, she gave up. She goes, Mum, I'm going to get married in the garden. So <laughs> uh, luckily, some of it worked. But I, I managed to get a, a marquee, a very narrow marquee running along back lawn which I'd saved and saved just in case you know so she got married in the garden which had been my wish when I moved here and it was we had market at the front market at the back and it was so beautiful um but now no one else is going to get married here so I'm digging up my lawn because it you could you could have too much lawn after a while and um it's fun to experiment it's it's the only bit I've got left to play with so um yeah, we're going to, as I said, I put this white wild border in. I want it to, I did last year try just to let the grass grow with the Nomo May and carried it through. And I put in a few scabious, I put in a few oxide daisies. They got suffocated by the grass, but the grass wasn't very attractive. So I dug up the strip and this year I put in some camassias um, in the autumn and because they're quite grass-like. Um, and then I put in, I grew lots of foxgloves, uh, and I got them, from, I dug them up from the allotments and I saved all the seeds, the white ones and the oxide daisies and, uh, Amy, uh, and I put them in, but in between them, I wanted it to look like grass and, uh, Hazel from Farm Yard Nursery suggested I use chicken feed and she gave me a chicken feed because that's full of barley and corn and things like that. So I've sown it. Um, and the birds did eat quite a lot of it. And I thought, you know, I sort of, in the end, I covered it with fleece for a while because it was ridiculous. Um, and it's coming up now. And I'm really excited. And I'm busy sowing my autumn. So I've got more scabious. I've got some yarrow and things like that to put, put in. And so I'm very excited because it could look great or it could look rubbish. <laughs> and I, I put it on the telly and I have to stand by what I've done. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, that's again, you know, this white thing. I just, I wouldn't mind doing a wild, colourful border, but because it's right near my white border, I'm going to, you know, stick to my colour scheme. And uh, I've just been sent some, there's a Welsh company that do uh, wild white mixes. And so I've just been sent the seeds for that. And I'm thinking about putting another border in to see what my version of a wild white border is compared to really, you know, um, a, you know wildflowers. Uh, to see if there's a difference, you know what I mean? So I think my husband could be digging up another bit of the lawn at the weekend. <laughs> You'll have no lawn left at this rate. <laughs> no lawn left. But it'd be great for the kids, the bit of the grandchildren to run through. You know, we're trying to get, going to try and create a sort of maze effect. So we dig up, we don't dig up, you know, we dig it up in bits so that they can run through and, and we can still get the wheelbarrow along and that sort of thing. You have lots of hydrangeas in your garden. Is that something that you uh, you put in 
early on. Hydrangeas are a great sort of stalwarts for for colour. Well, I, they grow really well here. In every, you know, when I moved here, I looked at what everybody else was growing. Um, and they grow really well. And I also went to the garden. Is it, is it Trelissic? There's a garden in Cornwall, and they it goes down to the sea, and it's got the most amazing wooded area of hydrangeas. And they also had loads of agapanthus, so... I was quite inspired by that. So I've got this mass, as I said, at least 40 foot. And my mum was quite into them. So my mum taught me how to do cuttings. So we made a lot of, but I didn't want lace caps. I wanted mop heads. And um, we kept taking cutting and it would turn into a lace cap. And I was going, no, no, I don't want these. I have to think about. Um, so yes, I've got lots of changes. And then I love Annabelle's. And I've only just discovered they do a pink Annabelle. Um, so I've got white Annabelles in amongst my pink. So I think I'm going to invest. That is one thing on my list. I'm going to get a pink hydrangea Annabelle to see what that's like. Um, and that may go in my pink board because I'm doing a, a color, a color themed border for Gardener's World Live, uh, this, uh, summer. And it's called My Escape. Uh, you had to do to a brief My Escape. And they asked me if I do it. And I was going, oh, do I have to? And they said, yes. Um, so My Escape. And I was thinking, what is My Escape? Um, and uh, my favorite rooms in the house are the pink ones. I'm allowed two. So I've got a pink spare bedroom. Uh, if my husband's snoring, I go and sneak off there. And I've got a pink sitting room. And everything else is like ice blue and seaside and it makes me really happy. And uh, so, and pink is a very relaxing color. You know, I, I used to have a clinic and that had a lot of pink in and for clients to be relaxed because it's massage. And so I've gone for pink. And what I want to do is explore all the different types of pink, um, you know, in texture and form. And it will go, hopefully, it's supposed to go like from a bright cerisi pink down to a pale white pink, a bit like a dip dye um dress uh and um so yeah so we're and that's where i discovered my a pink hydrangea annabelle but they might not quite be in flower then you know and so yeah i'm looking forward to poor richard from farm nurseries he couldn't believe it when i said we're going to do a pink border he he keeps taking me around and showing, showing me i know it's got to be pink it's got to be the right pink he keeps showing me lilac okay no that's lilac We've got to do pink. And, uh, so, yes, I, I, I'm really excited about, you know, seeing how it comes out. So what else is going in apart from the uh, the pink hydrangea Annabelle's? Well, David Austin is supplying um, roses of all different pinks. And I think we've got a Gertrude Chicle and we've got, a, you know, for the deep pink. And then we've got a few others. And it's also scented. I wanted it to be scented, even if it's if it's not nice sense. So um, I am growing at the moment uh, a lot of different alliums. So uh, pink alliums and green alliums. So because, of course, as I said, you never get plants without the green. And I wanted this sort of allium heads through it. And so I've gone for the ones that are flowering in June. And um, I've got to I've got to try and get them to be perfect. So... The alliums are my thing. Rich is growing most of the others and David Austin is doing the others. And um, so I've, last year, I didn't know, but I did it accidentally for Hampton Court. I put all the alliums in pots and then I put them into a terracotta pot and covered them with earth. Because if they're in plastic pots, they heat up and they're likely to develop 
more quickly and maybe peak too early. So I've now had to, you know, I've got a lot more this year. Uh, it worked last year. We It was spot on. So I've got a lot more and I've put them into big containers and then put earth around them so that the earth around them will cool the plastic pot and stop them overdeveloping. And then I might have to move them in and out of the shade. So I'm just, it may, you know, they may not come off. Um, but, and I'm also including then some glass. I've had some glass art made um, to bring the allium theme with, with allium glass art, which have been beautifully made. Um, by a lady specifically for the show with different colours of pink. So, and then there'll be an easel with a glass painting on. So it's it's sort of reflecting what I do. Um, uh, but yeah, so what else will be in there? Uh, uh, Nemesias, because uh, they are scented and they come in lots of different colours. Um, so uh, I know they'll be in there. But we're playing it fair. Cosmos, we don't know because Cosmos is on the cusp. I can't commit really because we literally, with Hampton Court, we had a whole list and that went out the window a couple of weeks before because it was so hot and everything peaked. I have contacted um, a very famous peony grower to see if he'll help me out But because I'd love some peonies, but they're really difficult to get right and without professional help. And also, the other thing I'm having is, um, he hasn't said yes yet, so um, the other thing I'm having is vegetables because I love growing vegetables and um so I've got one of the you know the John Wheatley who's a, a fantastic vegetable grower um for show so he's growing me some broad beans with pink flowers and some pink kale and I'm growing some beetroot with deep pink leaves they've just come up so he's advising me how to get them show perfect so um you know it may happen, it may work, it may not work, you know we've got to get the look right. And the other thing uh amaranth um, they're really beautiful, um, but getting the shade of pink right will be important. So John's growing those. So yeah, I want it to be, you know, uh, something for everybody, not just, you know, flower gardeners, but I do love the way the colour, vegetable garden, flower, you know, vegetables, flower, they've got beautiful flowers, they've got beautiful colour. And I don't, I love mixing them up together. So I don't know if it's going to work. There could be a lot of beetroot coming home that never got in. <laughs> Do you have a polytunnel area or a covered area where you're growing any of these for, for I the show? have um I've got a greenhouse here at home and I've got a, a, a big polytunnel I share with a friend up at my allotments. But I'm not up there every day and I can't keep my eye on it every day. But of course most garden designers don't grow their stuff uh, for shows. But I am a a grower and a gardener first and you know coming to the garden design late in life so I do I do want to be involved I want to go you know I loved it at Hampton to go oh I, I dug that up for me allotment I brought this along myself and oh I grew those you see but it does add a massive extra layer of work huge layer of work so yeah and what is it that you would like visitors to take away from your border at Gardeners Wildlife? I would like them to see what, using a single colour, how effective it can be. And I'd like them to just see how pink makes them feel, you know. Um, so really to sort of look at their emotion, a bit like going to Clifton and looking how that feels. So give them the opportunity to just have a look at pink. Um and then they can look at the range of the range of plants that are available in pink and maybe you know pick up some ideas so it's giving 
people who you know be thinking of pink um you know some ideas and also to see looking at vegetables and flowers together if it works um so yes and, and i i just want them to experience pink um and 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 see if it lifts their mood like it does mine or it drives them insane <laughs> and it's far too girly <laughs> so you know you never know what's going to happen when the gardeners uh world like gave me you know i wasn't expecting to do a garden and but i do love a brief and when they said my escape I thought, what am I going to do? And then it just thought, I know what I'm going to do. You know, it came to me like that. And uh, so, you know, it may not work, may not work. But I have bought a few pink dresses so that when I stand by my border, I will go with it. It's very important. And you, you talk about that impact of how pink can make you feel. Um, and yes, I think when colour is used really well in a garden, it, it can have a really strong impact on, on how we feel, like it has been uh, in the way it's used at Cliveden how would you, how do you think it makes people feel and how would you like it to make people feel when they're in your garden? I'd like them to feel calmed because pink is calming, although although it's vibrant, it's calming. Uh, so the research says, I'd like them to feel calmed but uplifted. So calm but happy because that's what I want everyone to feel like. So, um, and scent, I'm hoping the scent of the roses will will mask the scent of the alliums because um, I've got one that's, you know, a garlic smelling allium. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that's what they'll do. They'll go there and they'll think, oh, nice. But feel happy and feel like, oh, let's go shopping now. And um, no, it's feel good. So, and, uh, you know, just to absorb it really, just to think, oh yeah, look, and look at that tone of pink and that tone of pink and and look how, you know, if you introduce a bit of white pink there, it has the effect and, and how it lights up the space and darkens down the space. When visitors come to, to your home garden, how would you like them to feel when they're in your garden at home? Uh, it's, <laughs> they're very critical now on the telly. Oh, it doesn't look as good as when it's on the telly. Or I like this bit better. Why don't you show this bit? Because yeah, I've got a, a lovely area around my kitchen, which I don't show on the telly, that is absolutely packed full of sweet peas and climbers and scented stuff. Um, and um, so how I want them to feel interested, I want them to explore. There's so many different aspects to my garden. Um, and I've got a best friend and he comes down. He's a terrific gardener and he comes down and uh, he goes around and, and, and he's going, you need to mow this. You need to do that. He's very tidy and I'm not a tidy gardener. And he's going to be very pleased when he goes up the back of my garden because every time he comes, he goes behind the garage. This is, you know, it's hidden because I used to grow great big formiums to just hide the mess and it worked really well. If it worked really well for everybody else, but he would used to go around behind the formiums and go, this is a mess. What are you going to do here? Um, so now I like people just to, they usually come and just look at the sea. Um, but, uh, you know, I like them to uh, feel relaxed and, and learn and, 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 and question and explore and suggest and, um, you know, and discuss. So I think that's, you know, I like someone to be interested in the garden um, and I've got lots of different areas. I've got a, a young couple who have just taken a house a couple of doors down. And so they're wondering what to do. And we're, 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 I'm working with them and hopefully they'll come around. And people come around and, you know, who ask me for ideas and I can illustrate this is what you can do with this because they're all so different. And so it's quite 
as a good garden for, for me to say you could try this here you could try that if you don't do you like this look it's quite space it's quite sparse or this is block planting or do you like this you know um this sort of riot of color or you know so there's a lot of different things that people can take from it and um that's what I, I want. I want them to have an, an education and an interesting time. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. 